Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to our 11th episode. At some point, I need to stop counting this because it's going to become a large number, I assume. But welcome back to a new episode on of I Don't Mean To Be Rude. And it's always interesting because we keep changing places. Now, Etty, where are you? Can you give us a introduction? Yeah, Guadalajara, Mexico. Enjoying the sun. Ah, that sounds nice. And uh, I'm still in Munich, as you can tell by the background. And Diogo? You are in Portugal. Yeah, I'm in Portugal. Lisbon, beautiful city. Recommend everybody to, to visit. I guess everybody here would. Um, okay, so what brings us here today? I think what brings us here today is uh, the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about because it might generate a lot of controversy and it's hard to get information on, which is, as you might have already read, the war on Ukraine. Um as an opening remark, I feel like we should just say that we are by no means war experts. What we will be talking about is not going to be uh, the factual truth. It's going to mostly be our reaction to the events that have been happening and that have been uh, in some way or another being uploaded or posted in social media uh, by several media. We are not just focusing on one type of uh, uh, discourse. And we'll try to keep an open conversation on what we think are... Uh, problems on both of the sides because I think I think everybody just sees Russia as the unprovoked attacker and maybe it's not so much so and yeah hopefully we can have a productive discussion without having anybody misconstruing our own judgment on it this being said would any of you would like to start by talking about how maybe NATO and its advancements might have poked the bear I mean, I have a lot of ammo for that, but just, I think we should get into the clips and just talk from there, but just to give a brief view, I feel like the NATO expansion since the 90s, um, when Clinton was in power, has been a clear provoke, uh, provoking of the bear, which is Russia, and it's understandable when you look into the whole context while they will retaliate as you reach their borders. So, um, with that said, I think we should just go into the clips and from there we can build our opinions on top of that. Okay, so let's just roll it. Okay, Конечно, которые в Арту находятся, ВОЗ, в операции Объединенных сил, прорыв через Крымский перешейк, выход на Новокаховское водохранилище, чтобы воду в Крым дать, наступление с территории Беларуси, создание новых народных республик, диверсии, 
удары по объектам критической инфраструктуры и так далее, воздушный десант. Ну, вот что такое полноценная война. И вероятность ее 99%. Когда? It's scary how much how much reliable his prediction was in 2019 to say like 2021 22 will be the most critical years and it's also scary to to think about the fact that he said okay either we try to join NATO and Russia punishes us or Russia punishes us anyway like in a space of 10 to 12 years so like he always said Ukraine is fucked either way so we just choose the less of two evils that's at least what I what I got from part of his discourse Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it says. Yeah, they're in a fork at the end of the day. It's kind of shitty. Like, what, what do you guys think Ukraine should do? Like, this is a very weird chess move that you need to play, right? I mean, I think the NATO expansion, for me, is quite an aggressive move. Because, I mean, I mentioned in other discussions where if the Chinese military decided to expand and include Mexico in the border, I think U.S. would... React quite aggressively as well, and with NATO expanding first to the Baltic regions, so then to Ukraine, which is for me an overreach as well. There is no surprise that um, you get the reaction from Russia. Um, but there was um, John Mersheimer, I think you pronounce his uh, name, which is a leading geopolitical scholar in the U.S. He warned in 2015 that the West is leading. Ukraine on the prime rose, prime rose path and Ukraine will get wrecked in return. And he said it, I think the interesting thing he said that they should advocate for neutralized Ukraine and get out of the competition between the West and Russia. Um, instead of now, pushing for competition instead. Um, but what has been happening is that the West has been encouraging Ukraine to be tough with Russia, which leads to them not wanting to uh, negotiate with them instead. Um, as they assume and believe Russia will be defeated, um, which then gives them the strength in their current stats as well. So that's one way to look at it, in my opinion, as well. What about you, Diogo? Well, I believe that what he's saying is um, probably very, very true at the time, especially in 2019, because it was, um, I think it was a year after they started with the Crimea, all the, all the stuff that's happening, I think it was in 2018 that we should speak. So it does make sense for me that it can, can at the time escalate it to the point of saying that we either do this and we create a, and generate a big war with Russia or we don't do it and we get absorbed either way. Uh, what we won't do is just stay in that um, sovereign position of being able to have our own country and being able to take our own decisions. But what they're trying to do is as well very complicated and um, as NATO, as Ed was saying, <clears throat> it's pretty much the same as uh, as indexing some territory that's uh, very close to your... I mean, you're not indexing by joining NATO, of course, but it's you're forcing a military alliance with uh, some of the oldest enemies of, of, um, of the uh, old Russian empire. So it's... Um, I mean, it's always going to be a problem, just like the missile crisis in Cuba was uh, with the US. It's basically the exact same thing. And you never said anything about the US kind of defending themselves from... Um, that particular event 
So in that case, it does kind of push a little bit to what I've been noticing a little bit since the beginning of the modern times of how westernized uh, countries and, and mostly all of the Western countries, to be honest, where we all come from, we tend to be a little bit arrogant because we come from the best part of the world. And uh, this arrogance has brought us to a level where we just don't even take into account that Russians uh, not only are very, very proud of themselves for being Russian, but they're also very good. And uh, I mean, each, each nation has very good people in them as well and very smart people as well. And um, you have to think that um, you have to be able to think and, and to take a humbling lesson as well, that even though you're one of the biggest um one of the biggest nations in the world, just like the U.S. is, uh, for example, and one of the biggest economies in the world, if not the biggest one still. I think it's not, but uh, you see, my, you, you get my point. Um, you also have to be able to understand that there's other people with other types of motivations, just like the, the Russian people, that are able to gather their um, gather their arms and just, uh, I mean, go against into this war. And that's exactly what Putin has, has started to do. Like, under his leadership, he's trying to go back into the previous uh, Russian empire, and that's just this is just the beginning, as he also said and said in the beginning of this of this war back in in February. Well, I have two comments, one one for each of you. So when I, when Eddie was talking, I was thinking about is it really the solution to say let's uh, neuter Ukraine, like make it uh, passive in a sense where it won't provoke Russia's attack and it also won't appeal to NATO's side. So it's just a, a placeholder between you, uh, Russia and the rest of Europe. I'm not sure if that's a solution because it, wouldn't that leave Ukraine as a sitting duck? Of course, it is like the chicken and the egg situation because if you don't demil demilitarize, then you give Russia an excuse to attack you because you're militarized. But if you do, you also give her an excuse to invade because you don't have anything to fight her with. And this, I think, bodes well with what Diogo was saying. If the objective from Putin's side is to restore the old glory of the USSR, demilitarized Ukraine is just like offering it in a pla in a platter. Um, at the same time, Diogo, you said that we consider ourselves to be the the best society or the best the best better than the, some other societies in the world, and. I disagree, in, and you put it in a negative ma manner, and I kind of disagree with you in some ways because, like, look at us. We're recording a podcast where we're trying, we're putting our opinion forward, and if we try to do this in some sort of societies, let's say China and Russia, this is not so possible if you try to go outside of the topics that they deem correct. So, us having freedom of speech and us having the ability to do this and us having... Um, I'm not going to go into a stable economy, but an economy that in general with all its flaws still kind of works uh, is, as also Jordan Peterson once once put it, like it's the best we could achieve with what we have. Like the Western society for historical in historical uh, terms is the best we had so far. And it doesn't need to be perfect now. Of course, it could, but it's going in a better direction than some others might be. My my problem is that it's not exactly that we um, we are these kind of like societies and we have this kind of principle, especially the freedom of speech and everything. My problem is how we regard those things and how we basically just feel like that gives us the arrogance and the cockiness to be able to just like shit on everything that 
any other of these countries say, especially uh, Russia and China and stuff like this. And exactly because we have much more and, 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 and a much better life, like standard of life, uh, it's much easier for us. And we have, not easier, but we have much more to lose than they have. So that's what we're not seeing. That's what our cockiness blinds us a little bit with. We are not able to actually just realize that these people will be able to just do whatever they're asked to do just because they come from a very different kind of like mindset and, and um, very different mentality. So nowadays we wouldn't be, uh, we would be in a very good position of deciding if we wanted to join a war or not. And of course it's the best position you can be in. But I'm not sure if any of us would actually just engage in combat uh, because we just love our country that, that much or this much or whatever. I mean, I personally would, but I don't feel that there's the, the, the majority of the people would do that. And that's what, I mean, it, somebody said it better than I did, that hard times create, uh, um, create. I mean, hard times, what, what was the expression, Eti, do you remember? Hard or times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times. Exactly. So it just like, it goes like this. And because they live harder, harder lives than we do, they're probably just also stronger, not not only mentally, but also many times physically. And this, of course, would also translate then in combat. And um, this is something that we're not foreseeing, just like uh, uh, the U.S. couldn't predict uh, all of bin Laden's attacks. I mean, that was pure, probably also a bit of cockiness. And the whole time that it took them to find him, I mean, that's not being able to predict him. That's like he was able to escape the largest military in the world for years and years on row. It's like, this is very, I think this, people don't realize this and they don't realize the importance of this type of like, situation that happened and that happened before. Just like uh, also, I think it's kind of related to the same thing with, uh, with, uh, with Russia. We were like a bit too cocky to think it was actually okay to just incur into this annexation of Ukraine to, to NATO. I mean, it, it makes no absolute no sense. Uh, actually, we, we have... We have a tweet that we're going to post now. Uh, for th those who are listening to us, I'm going to put the link, uh, or we're going to put the link uh, down down in the in the podcast. But essentially, it's a well-documented fact that um, that after the reunification of West Germany, uh, there was a deal with Russia not to expand NATO eastwards, and that actually happens before you, the Ukraine situation. So uh, it's it's go comes back to the first point of the bear was poked not not using the bear word as something negative of negative connotation but essentially somebody was poking russia until they awake, awoke the beast and the beast in this sense is basically whatever mr mr putin wants to put forward um also i i kind of I, i took part of your point you i think you 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 put down a lot of information but one of the key facts that are key things that i i took to myself was We might not even see the implications this might have for me and you specifically because Etty is very far away. But if it if it if this escalates to a war with NATO at, at some point, or hopefully not, mm -hmm. uh, me and you are totally eligible eligible to be called out for 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 the fight as well. And this will also impact us in some ways. In, at the end of the day, it's frustrating to think that. Us going to war is a consequence of bad politics or bi bad geopolitics. Exactly, and that's very worrisome as well. It is, like I, I dare you, 
edit, are at home, like whoever's watching, I'm pointing at the camera, but whoever not, just feel my finger pointing at you. I dare you to think about what it would be <laughs> if you would be at war now. Like you would, you would be called to war because of something that your um, political or elected officials chose to do, but you suffer the consequences. Did you choose the correct elected official or are you doing enough in your political life to actually change that do you want to be at war because that that's a risk that we face essentially every day while russia and ukraine uh do their thing i mean i think you make a good point there and that's why also i'm willing to listen to experts about this but i don't feel like i should listen to the expert that drove us to afghanistan to syria to libya to iraq these are the same experts now that are advocates for war when we had other experts that's been trying to prevent the situation for years that has to be listened to so for me it makes sense which ones that have been more reasonable over the last couple of years. And I mean, there's tons of statements against this NATO expansion. I'll just name, just name a couple of them, and then you can go on. Um, so we have, in 2008, CIA Director Bill Burns, very well known at this stage, that said, Ukrainian entry into NATO is a bright red line, red line for Russia. I've yet to find anyone who used Ukrainian NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to Russian interests. Henry Kissinger, Henry Kissinger, National Security Advisor during the Nixon time, which was the one responsible for expanding. He warned that it can never, uh, Ukraine can never be just a foreign country to Russia and should not join NATO. He was so pissed off about this that he threatened to, re, to like, resign from his position as well. Malcolm Fraser, for the sake of Prime Minister of Australia, that the move east by NATO is provocative, unwise and very clear signal to Russia, at least to difficult and extraordinarily dangerous problems. And I can just go on, go on, and go on. There's been so many red lights, and still people have been poking the bear, not listening. And now you're surprised that this has happened, and you're blaming Russia for being crazy and provocative. I mean, there's two sides of the story, and I feel it was quite funny a bit when you said um, <clears throat> the thing about free speech. And I'm just like, of course, we're freedom of speech, but it's not as free as you think. You can say whatever you want. It was very clear that when the war started, everything that came from Russia was suffocated. And any kind of news from Russia was suffocated. We were not allowed to consume that. Um, we were made to believe that the Russian people are bad, inherently. And people get this program into their brain as well. It's completely ridiculous. So, freedom of speech, yes, but people are allowed to think whatever they can think. But you can't tell them what to think. But at the end of the day, you can tell them what to think about. And thinking that Russia inherently is bad... Russian people are bad is a consequence of this. And I think that's a joke, to be honest. So, yeah. Well, I quite like the, the point you made just now, because, of course, we can have the freedom to talk whatever shit we about whatever shit we, we find interesting. But at the end of the day, whatever we talk about is fed by some facts that are maybe picked or handpicked by uh, the media or whatever source we, we find uh, to make us believe one way. So, yeah, in that sense... Every story has two sides, and uh, we've been fed the westernized, um, I would say, version version of it. It's not necessarily the mm -hmm. the incorrect one, but it's also maybe a bit obscure in some of the corners. Because let's face it, at some point we're bound. We as the West are we're bound to make uh, we're bound to take some shady decisions or have taken some shady decisions, and these are the ones that get buried. And in the end, like, yeah, we, I mean, yeah, yeah, we can go back to this. Like, we have the documented agreements with Russia. Of course, it's in the context of that things have changed with history. But we had an agreement with Russia as the West 
not to expand eastward and that agreement at the end of the day is worth nothing and that's not something that i imagine a lot of people know a lot of people just know that oh uh maybe nato was a bit not super cautious with going that way but russia was the one that pulled the trigger so they are the bad guy um there's some context to it and we must be sensible or sensitive to it um okay i don't want to dwell too too long on just what led to this because we would also like to discuss what is going on in general and for me it was quite interesting to see at least within the the first one or two months you guys must have seen it as well like there was a lot of fuss in the news it was everywhere war on ukraine it was all like all the time on there was nothing else like all the bullshit news that we usually say because nothing usually see it because there's nothing happening were all cast out the window because there was something that is actually important on the on the screen and uh that's fine of course that we can go back to Eti's problem of saying like they are feeding us some sort of narrative and maybe it's not the the best version uh i'm not gonna go back into that topic but in general my question now is where did all that go like since it started in february i believe like um we had a spike of attention and then it disappeared from the news where did it go guys i mean I think it's quite clear if you I remember very clear one day when we were at your place and Diog was saying why are you watching that shit all the time in regards to war news and I was keep I kept saying there was propaganda as well because they, they only kept showing positive things or oh, Ukraine just bombed these Russian soldiers or oh, 10,000 Russian soldiers were killed etc 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 it was only positive things in regards to Ukraine whatever you think about the war that might be great if you're on Ukraine side but it was clear that only once half the story was shown. And the second it went silent, I was like, just think, why is it suddenly so silent? Probably because the war is not going as the media wants it to go. That was quite clear. And then suddenly, a month after, we hear, oh, Russians occupy this and this and this place. I was like, okay, then it made sense. So if, if it would happen tomorrow that, okay, Ukraine did some kind of advancement and bombed 100,000 Russians or whatever, there would be sort of racist of the news. But that's just the way narrative is and i just feel like it's it's worrisome because i don't think everything is fake but i always say that the truth lies somewhere in the middle so you have to look at both sides from ukraine's side um and russia's side and i think that gets lost as well and i couldn't find any information from why russia did what it did until i actually asked the russian first and then i was like okay maybe i should dive into this a bit deeper and that's when i started to do that as well so yeah but that's that's also hard, right? Because yeah. just so, sorry, Diogo, just think about it. Like the amount of news we get from the West is kind of firsthand because Western the reporters are still allowed freely in the Ukraine. And where would you get news from Russia? Either they handpick the content that they give you because they also want to somewhat prop- release their propaganda to the West, right? Or you somehow have access to their uh local news channels and it's still propaganda to the people that live there so would you trust there to be an honest reporter that's not incarcerated or dead that's reporting what's currently happening from the russians view to the west not really i mean i'm skeptical about everything really i was just skeptical about like the over positivism that we were seeing um that was like obviously celebrating all the russian deaths because I mean, personally, I don't take any side of this for. I think it's what's happening is absolutely horrible. But it doesn't mean that I want any death on any Russian or Ukrainian people. I have friends that are both Russian and Ukrainian, and I wish both of those people the best. I think it's absolutely horrendous. 
Um, so no, I mean, I'm just skeptical as a whole. There's no perfect solution, I'm not saying that. But at the end of the day, I will um, paraphrase what Julian Assange said, all the wars are, um, well, this what it came from all the media lies previously. So at the end of the day, I think you have to take it, take it into consideration before you take a big decision about what you think about wars and actually look into it from a deeper standpoint. We have direct information, can promise that, but at least do some kind of um, deep dive before coming into early conclusions, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's exactly what Eddie is saying. I wouldn't add anything else. I think it's exactly this. And especially the fact that, again, going back a little bit into, interesting back over a little bit to the, maybe a little bit the cockiness and the fact that we're always inside our own heads in the Western, uh, in the Western world. I think that's also kind of the reason why we're actually not able to um, to read everything else that also is coming from 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 these parts of the from these parts of the world because these are also parts that are very prominent to our own uh, to our own thriveness. I mean, we've been able we've only been able to thrive, especially in Europe, due to a lot of Russian gas and a lot of Russian energy that's been supplied to us. It's like uh, it's a very difficult it's a double edged sword. I mean, uh, you, you cannot just just push back and say that Russia did this and did that. Uh, you have to always kind of understand both uh, both situations and, and be able to mediate the best the best way out of it, and that's what ambassadors, um, international politicians, and every, anyone else should be able to do. Like it would never, it should never escalate to the point where there's actually war in 2022. Yeah, that's kind of ri- uh, let's put it out there. It's kind of ridiculous that we get to 2022 and there's and there's war. But I I would also argue that people in 1940 would say the same. Like, imagine being there and people just saying, like, why is the war happening? Of course, that you have some sort of uh, madman that... But I think it's different because... I think just think, I'm just, just adding because I think it's different because at the time there was a lot more poverty, a lot more problems going on. People were actually desperate some of the times, many of the times. And here, uh, it was not the case. And uh, it, hasn't been this ca- in, it hasn't been the case for a while. That's also why we've been able to just say stable in terms of wars for quite a quite a few years and decades and almost uh, almost centuries to be honest uh but the problem is that uh, i mean of course not counting with the small conflicts that we've been able to also uh create especially uh, coming from our friends and, and over in the other side of the of the atlantic um i mean re- disregarding those that's why i've been able to reach the stability where we, where we are where we are at right now because uh, before that i think just the whole i mean if you look at germany in the 1930s and the end of the 1930s you would understand exactly why they went to uh, to do what to, why at the first place uh, adolf hitler got into got into power and then how it just um it, he was able to brainwash everyone into this war uh, the second world war well, let me stop let me stop you just it's there easy to understand that. let me stop you there because we cannot just say that nothing happened between second world war and now Nothing happened between Second World War and now in Europe. But since then, you have had, as Eti mentioned, all of the conflicts in the Iraq-Iran region. You still have Israel poking or going against um, or having the Iron Dome. Palestine. Yeah, Palestine-Israel conflict and then having the Iron Dome, which, which I guess on a weekly basis just also have missile, missile conflicts. Um, you have Yemen that's also, we're going to get cancelled because of this, but we also have Yemen, which has a war that's being fueled by Saudi Arabia. 
Um, and all of this is happening on a part of the world where we are so not so near to. So these are wars that have been going in between the Second World War and now, and also will continue in some of these countries, and maybe even were there before. I, I think they are way more recent, though, uh, like post-Vietnam wars. And um, nobody talks about them in the same way we had the attention for Ukraine. I don't have any point with this. I don't want to follow through on this topic. I'm just saying that we are... Focusing on this problem like this is, oh, we are, we have been free of conflict for so many years. This is not fucking true. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, no, I, need to, I need to come in there because I really like that point. And I would just come back to a moment. You know, I was watching during this, when this started and they were having this UN thing. They were voting to go into sanction Russia or not. And EU was upset with India for not choosing to sanction Russia. And the Indian president said... And the Europeans need to get out of their colonial mind in the sense that you think that our conflict, now I'm citing the Indian president, so he says, our conflicts are not your conflicts, but your conflicts are our conflicts. They've had conflicts with like Pakistan, etc. What you said happened in Afghanistan, etc. Um, people don't care about, but as soon as the Russia-Ukraine war happened, the, the whole world was supposed to care. And I think that's it's an incredible sense of hypocrisy, which goes back to the arrogance of EU and the West as a whole as well. Oh, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a hard topic to discuss. While I while I agree with you on a first uh, on a I, first look, there's also the fact that I think a war in general is never good for world economy because it creates a lot of instability. And we must not forget that both Russia and Ukraine are countries that have a lot to export. Russia on the f- uh, fossil fuel side and Ukraine on food side. Uh, and then you have instability instability going towards Africa because a shortage of grains. Um, you have instability going to, towards Europe because shortage of fuel. Uh, of course, that Russia still deals with Middle uh, Eastern countries and other ones that still support them. For instance, they they buy now kamikaze drones from Iran uh, because they're probably the only ones that are selling them to Russia. But in general, I would support countries and sanctioning whoever is fueling this fire because it's never good for the world's welfare. For a conflict this size to be there, but at the same time, then I can say maybe it's hypocritical to say this because nobody says the same thing about all the conflicts that happening that are happening in the Middle East and Asia, exactly. and also India. India have a that. problem with China. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody is helping them with yeah, that. Yeah, probably China, China and Pakistan. Why isn't the West so? They're telling Europe to sanction Russia to not get natural gas. But the U.S. is not sanctioning Saudi Arabia for bombing the fuck out of Yemen. Make make it make sense to me. Yeah. Well, also just just. So, to... I mean, my point was not. To... Go ahead, Hugo. I'm just saying that my point was not to say that there haven't been any wars in the meantime, and of course there have been conflicts, but it's the first time that has been something more direct with with the Western world, with the Western society. Of course, you can also retrace back over to uh, wars that the U.S. created. But that's a whole different spectrum because it's always in the interest of doing so and also to kind of justify a little bit the, the trillions of dollars they spend each year on, on military. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that have been happening which make no sense in the whole spectrum of the world, of course. But uh, Europe engaging in such a war which is dependent on so many international leaders is what kind of like, it, that's what I kind of like is drawing the line of how is, it, how is this even possible in 2022? Because it's been, it's been, I mean, it's been such a developed society, and it's been at peace for so long, at peace. Uh, I mean, at, at least among ourselves, uh, a little bit in the in the most concise part of the of the world. 
And how is it able to be escalated to this point now? I mean, I, this is a very dear, um, dear kind of subject to me because my granddad was an ambassador and his fucking profession was just to deal with this, just to be able to deal with counterparts and be able to reach agreements. Also, we have... We also had an appointment at some point in Portugal with Indonesia. And I mean, there's a lot of things that's always happening and conflicts have been proliferating all the time between countries. That's always going to happen. But being able to stop a war, that's, 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 the, that's the key part of it. And I think that's what, that's just, that's the only thing that I wanted, I wanted to say and mention when I said it's like, uh, there hasn't been any conflict for, for quite a few years. Okay. I'm going to leave you with some food for thought. I don't want to discuss this because I would like to move on, but, um, we don't have it so like we don't have such a free of conflict society when you have things that torment you like school shootings and like this type of shit. It should not happen in 2022, but it still happens. So why is war something that you say it shouldn't happen? But then all of the other things that are like uh, in your own nation, not international, also happen. And it, like, they, 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 I think they are in the same spectrum of things that should not happen in the year we are at, um, and yet they do. So. There's something wrong in many regards, in many sides, and we are only yeah, trying to focus on. That's on just that. pure dumbness. That's that's true, and we could I all think, we could all go inside. You're complicating it. I'm complicating it, yeah, and that's why I don't want to follow through. Let's then move on. My 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 next part is okay. So we've talked about the reasons that might have led up to this, or some of them. Uh, we've also discussed a bit whether or not this is this makes sense even on the year we're in. Um, but I would like to talk about the head of both sides, so Vladimir Putin and Mr. Zelensky. Uh, starting with Ukraine, not out of preference, just because I think it's easier. Um, essentially, this guy was a was a show host at some point, which was elected um, elected president of the Ukraine, kind of in a surprise manner. So he rose to power in a surprising manner because nobody was in in the reports I've watched. Uh, nobody was paying that much attention to him, but he was—he had the the people's support because he was already known from TV, and I guess he was likable in some way. And one thing that I think is positive—not necessarily the best guy ever to lead the Ukraine—but one thing I think is positive is I, f I think he kind of stepped in the the role of the guy being attacked very well in the sense that I think Ukraine united around him or around his image, and uh, he's been maybe with the support of his advisors, very diplomatic with the West, maybe not so much at some times, and we have a, not a video to show it, uh, to show you guys, uh, or for you guys to hear. But in general, I've been surprised in a positive fashion by most of the things that this guy has done, because nobody is born prepared to be a leader in a war. Like, you either rise up to the situation or you don't, and I think in this case, he has a lot of traits that uh make me like his position do, do any of you disagree or have any other thing that you want to i'm not a in? fan of Zelensky. yeah i just want to say that but yeah you're not a fan of the guy why not i'm not i was not a fan of Zelensky. clearly installed by the u.s government that's been like well almost confirmed at this stage so it's like it's not a surprise that he how he rose into power in my opinion and then advocating as you will see in this video um, I don't want to spoil this, I think just get into it, then you'll understand why I don't like it. Як це було до 24-го? Превентивні удари, щоб вони знали, що з ними буде, якщо вони застосують, а не навпаки, чекати ядерних ударів Росію, щоб потім сказати, ах, ти так, ну ось тримай від нас. 
Here's a translation of what Zelensky said. What is important, I once again appeal to the international community as I did before February 24th. We need preemptive strikes so that the Russians know what will happen to them if they use them, as in nuclear weapons, and not the other way around. Okay, so essentially, just just to pick on what he said, I, I don't. This is the part I was telling you about that I don't really agree with. Like you, you shouldn't just say. Um, let's put this in an analogy. If you have kids, you shouldn't just hit your kid because he might do something. Right. I mean, it's calling for World War Three. So I mean, I'm not, not a fan of the guy, but okay. Yeah, in this regard, he kind of is because, like. One thing is to poke the bear by like inching closer to their border, and the other thing is just to attack his nest. Yeah, and exactly, and that's why I'm like I feel really bad for Ukrainian people because their homes have been devastated. I don't feel bad for the leaders that have been dri- driving them into this position. That is horrible. That's why I don't like Zelensky because he's a part of this. So what Ukrainians are experiencing is horrible, and the worst part is that this is the people at the bottom that are suffering from this. So you have. Leaders taking decisions, you have young men and some women going to war and dying. That's absolutely horrible. But they're the people that are, that are top of the food chain that are taking these decisions. And I don't have sympathy for them, but just for the people that are suffering. Yeah, but it's, it's also easy. I don't, I'm not sure how you feel about it. It's also easy to say, I don't like the leader because some of the things they do cause pain to others. Like, what, what would you rather him do in, in this position? Not advocating for NATO in that case. Then that that's a fair point. I I cannot argue against you with that. But the let's put it this way: the war being something that already started. What would you have him do? Like how how what would what? Let's put the question the other way: um, What would it take for you to like the guy, Mister? I'm not saying give up regions to Russia. I'm saying at least be open to some kind of negotiation because there is clear that at some point this war will probably end with. Some kind of negotiation, um, maybe some kind of vote, I don't know, I'm an expert in this regard. Or Russia feel that they're losing, so they start using nuclear bombs, in one sense. Or potentially World War Three as well, or, I don't know, Ukraine gets taken, I don't know. But I think the best part to do at this stage is to just try to not reach that stage of nuclear war, World War Three, and try to negotiate at some stage. But right now, since they're being fueled by um, the American war machine, as they keep sending their money... We have no intention on um, negotiating at all with Russia. And I don't think that's helped the situation. I'm not thinking any size there. I just want as many people as possible to be safe. And I think negotiating is the best thing to do in that regard. But they already tried negotiating, right? Like it, it, no. They already tried negotiating. There, was, there were already t- televised negotiations between Russian representatives and Ukrainian representatives. And while negotiations were happening, Russia actually, at least according to reports, increased bombing frequency. This you, was something you, that was talked about. The early parts of the war. Yes, like the in the first, the in the first yeah, months, okay, Russia yes, was like, yes. maybe we're spending too much, too much money on this, and they pondered negotiating. I'm not sure if this is a motivation, but this is how it came through. Like, uh, because war is costly, so both sides willingly tried to negotiate. The Ukrainian side was already in a negative situation, and I don't like this vibe. But they were already saying, okay, there's no point in negotiating because essentially what Russia wants is our country. So the only way they say yes is if we say, okay, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine is yours, uh, and this is something that they would not do anyway. 
Um, so I'm not sure if there was ever an exit out of this uh, or these negotiations, and I'm not sure how negotiations, future negotiations, would look like. Diogo, do you have any any opinion on this? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like that was back in March. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was one month after the war started. I mean, you cannot take that as actually real. Oh, but they tried. It's been almost... They tried to end it. Why would they put on a show then, just to say that, just to appease the market? No, because it was just like a shock. They were probably like, um, probably someone from both parties realized how big it was going to become, especially when they started talking about also the energy cottage for uh, for Europe and everything else. And this was probably provoked in terms of like both sides trying to find a way to figure it out. But in the end, it was never re there was never a real, a real intention from any of the sides to actually reach an agreement. It was just like. A reflection almost that came out as Europe realized how big this is going to be and also the US and also the other NATO uh, representatives uh, until they started to figure out ways of um, understanding that this is not going to be as easy as it might as it might have been thought uh, just because of those reasons that he also said in the first uh, in the first clip that we showed I mean it's a fork and Ukraine has a right to try and not be uh, uh, one of the two solutions that the fork provides uh, that's kind of like the probably the end for me and i mean putin is not going to concede on anything as well he wants what he wants and he won't won't accept any middle terms so i mean um, those negotiations were just like a little bit of um of, sh of showing of this basically uh, a public showing that this is not possible well i i i, I kind of have to agree with you like not that they were a sham but I would like to believe that at some point there was the intention for them to have some sort of peace around it, but it, in general, it, it, they always seem hopeless, which was also how the media portrayed it, not necessarily the truth, as we already established. Um, but also, Eti, you, talk, you talked about votes in, in the answer you were giving, and we actually have also interesting, um, interesting content to react to that, in that sense. Yeah, yeah but, but before we mm -hmm. get to that, I think it's important to highlight in regards to Diogo's point as well there, that during those negotiations, it came out at the same time that Ukraine was fast-forwarding their um, application to the EU and NATO as well, so that they also didn't help and goes against what Russia wants. So that's what I'm saying. There wasn't really negotiations, and if they would negotiate and discuss that stuff instead, that would help. So I think that plays a big part in why. I don't believe it hasn't been proper negotiations as well. Fair enough. At the same time, you just reminded me, like Russia had said that there would be consequences for other countries joining NATO, and essentially, I think Finland and uh, was it Sweden as well applied to join NATO after a couple of months of this conflict being go going on. So the consequences of this are yet to be seen. But I think some of Putin's plans also backfired in this sense because Finland, specifically, which has a border with Russia, just saw, wait, we kind of are too near to this and the expansion that Russia was trying to avoid is inevitably happening because of a conflict that was initiated by them or at least initiated by them in an explosive manner not in a subtle manner yeah no that I agree with okay so we talked about Zelensky and then we also have Mr. Putin before we actually get to the votes because Putin has um has given a couple of speeches already, but there's one speech that marked 
me specifically and that you have suggested it at the as well um, about why he is taking this course of action and how he sees the West. So this is also in some way um, a peeking hole towards their side, to the, the Russian side. And maybe we should just watch him and, and, and just comment on that. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's watch yep. it. Разве мы хотим, чтобы в наших школах с начальных классов детям навязывали извращения, которые ведут к деградации и вымиранию? Чтобы им вдалбливали, что кроме женщины и мужчины якобы существуют еще некие гендеры и предлагали сделать операцию по смене пола. Но разве мы все этого хотим для своей страны и для своих детей? Для нас все это неприемлемо. У нас другое, свое будущее. Повторю, диктатура западных элит направлена против такое полное отрицание человека, неспровержение веры и традиционных ценностей. Подавление свободы приобретает черты религии наоборот, откровенного сатанизма. God damn, that's intense. Well, let's put first, uh, let's yeah. just state that Russia is a highly religious country. At least religion still plays a very large role there in the Protestant fashion, right? Orthodox. Mm-hmm. Orthodox, sorry, yeah. No, Protestant is yeah. a totally different thing. That's that's what I get for being uh, being agnostic. I, I should know my religions better. You were saying something, Eddie. I interrupted you. Yeah, but I mean, from a religious standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I would call it Satanistic almost as well. Because you should mutilate children that have barely developed some kind of personality to think that they know what they want to be from the say gender standpoint going through with gender change with childhood under 10 is a complete insanity when i was five years old i wanted to be Sonic the hedgehog i didn't know what the fuck i wanted to be when i was uh, 18 <laughs> and you're thinking if you're I'm a, if i'm a boy that says oh i i feel like i have boobs oh okay okay we're gonna make you a woman now because you feel like you're a girl that's complete insanity it's stated so satanistic might be a hard line of saying it but if you think of it from a religious country standpoint, then I completely understand because it's completely insanity what people are doing to children. So let's make this episode like Pandora's box and have all the topics in here. I have a hot take, and I don't mean to be rude, but what the hell is wrong with the US when operating a child like oh under eighteen, like a legal child, operating it for a transgender uh, um, procedure is legal, but abortion is not, like. Yeah, that's, that's uh, this episode has everything like we're we're talking about saudi arabia even though we didn't trash on them but you guys kind of suck in in the war you're creating and now we're going to abortion and transgender at the same time not sure what we were going for but cancellation is coming our way sometime it's evil that's what i say that's why i was saying that there has to be some kind of higher power because if there's so much evil in the world if you're willing to do this to children there must be a god because at the end of the day this horrendous evil shit that you do to children is as it's sickening and then we have people now going too far as well but we have people now also accepting minor attractive what's it called minor attractive person so pedophilia is being accepted by the west as well trying to glorify but call them minor attractive person let me tell you this if you come close to me and you say you're a minor attractive person it might <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> because I will not that is something I will never ever accept pedophilia for me is for me it deserves a death penalty that's the only one I believe so yeah damn that that's, that's harsh on you but I guess it's your opinion and uh, 
for for me pedophilia could still be punished with life prison because i don't no. think that those urges will will get away and usually if you have a five-year-old are... daughter if you have a five-year-old daughter and a grown man rates her do you think he deserves a life sentence or would you want to kill him because i know what i would do logically one thing personally the other so Hmm. Exactly. I'm just. Be, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. I accept. I understand you don't want to say that lie. But I'm just being completely honest with what I would want to do with the person that touched my daughter. So, but I think he suffers more a whole life not being able to do anything than just having. A we're diverging. Let me cut you there. Yeah. Like, uh, sorry, Diego. I don't mean to interrupt. But we're diverging. Like, what? What? The point of this video or this reaction was to just um, discuss Putin, and in some way, let's let's get you back on track or us back on track. Um, in some way, he was justifying what is happening by refusing, Rus refusing that Russia follows the same path as Western countries, and that's also, in my point of view, not, it's not something that we're trying to impose on Russia. So maybe there's some skewed uh, justification there. But also, in the same speech that he told, he was, and you can also find this, this is total, the full speech online. Um, he was talking about the fact that Russians' actions are not. I would say reared because Western countries have done it before. And he gave an example of uh, uh, World War II. At least he alluded to that. So basically he was saying other guys have done it. So it's okay. We do it. Not necessarily also the truth. What do you, what do you think, Diogo? I think I missed a little bit the point. Who, who said that they have done before? And now that's the reason why they're yeah, able to be Putin to was kind of... I'm not, I don't want to get into that video now, but Putin was kind of justifying the actions of Russia being acceptable because it, they have been done in the past. Like somebody did it in the past, so it's okay if we, if we do it now. Yeah, that's sort of bullshit. That's not, I was still focusing on that last video because I think I, I didn't say what I, what I wanted to say. But the thing is that I, I, I am with Eddie on, on this one. Maybe not as, not as harsh, especially with the thing of uh, the death sentence. But... Um, what I do believe is, is that I, um, it's it's very hard to mediate uh, two countries that are complete opposites. It's, they're, they're too, it's completely bipolar. So you have Russia that's very traditional, that's not being able to accept any of this. And then you have the US where one person is able to basically just change uh, policies and, and change politics completely because it just creates a raid of anything. And then uh, it picks up and the trend picks up and the Senate is, uh, I don't know, the U.S. have to act on it, and suddenly we have 14-year-olds changing sex. And that's absolutely also uh, something that's not where we should be at in 2022. So that's what I think Europe usually sends a little bit in the middle. And, and that's I'm also very fortunate to, be, to, to have been born in, in Europe. But uh, I think what it, what it means, and I also disagree a little bit with what you said, Antonio, that uh, of course that if um, Ukraine and, and all these countries somehow get a lot of influence from the west they are going to share all of these values and, and this is going to transpose as well to all these countries i mean if we're not trying to influence russia but it, it, russia is already influenced by all of this and there's probably already inhabitants which don't share the same values that putin does because i mean we live in a connected world as well um i mean you don't have to i don't have to tell you to do something so you, you can just copy a little bit my behavior it's different um, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very complicated point, and I think at some point he must be, he must have been able to uh, convince a lot of people with that speech. Uh, so that was a very smart, very smart speech. In the end, that's a, 
only that I wanted to say is that it was a very smart speech from this side. But it is the answer to something that you don't want to influence your people war? Uh, I mean, it really depends on how much you value your own values. I mean, breaking your own values is very, very, very complicated from the psychological standpoint. Let's put it this way. Look at China. They managed, so far, they managed to keep their country closed in the way they do. So without the influence of the West, because they don't have Google, they don't have all of this, they have their own things. They managed to do that. They managed to be a very powerful player in the global economy in the regard that the US is very dependent on them and many other countries are very dependent on them for manufacturing mostly. And yet the response to I don't want Western culture to influence us is not war. It's just they take it on their own hands. And in some ways their regime is similar because it's very authoritarian, right? I mean, what do you mean with similar to Russia's? Yeah. In principle, communists. Well, uh, yeah, go they, they are in principle communist. Uh, the vision that Putin Putin has for his people is also seemingly something that he would like to preserve their value and. Yeah, they're, they're communists. They're communists with stocks on on on, on Nasdaq, for example. So that, that that's a little bit of bullshit. I mean, they're a little bit sit on a little bit as well, but it's like it's uh, it's they've made their money through capitalism. You're talking about China. Um, but China yeah. is more. There's also this is another a complete different podcast. China at this point has been already noted by many uh, influential figures in the economy as a modern communism, where capitalism plays a very central role. So it's either communism or capitalism. It's in core values. They are communism, but they abdicated. The principles that basically didn't make communism work, which are mostly monetary, and they said, "Okay, so let's get us some money or some income, but still keep control over or be very authoritarian and very communist and all the things that do not imply them losing money." They want to be the world's superpower. They wanted to control the world. They still want to control the world. I'm not sure if they're going to get to do that, uh, at least in the way they speak. To position themselves to be the the biggest economy but in general i think that would be sidetracking this this podcast that's why i said that this is probably a topic for another one mm-hmm. on its own um yeah mm-hmm. but as much as putin wants to honorably defend russian values and russian interests i'm not sure if the the ways he shows that are the most reasonable putin yes yeah, I'm. I'm agree with you on like eighty percent because at the end of the day, I respect leaders that put their people in front first. And I feel, like, of course, in EU, I understand that the union comes as a whole. But what are you supposed to do when other people have been disrespecting your values, your people for a long time? And you don't put your foot down, then you're just gonna keep overreaching. So it might not be the best way to act. I, I completely understand that. Exactly. But I feel, like he, I feel like he was left with no choice at the end of the day as well. well as, as, as I said... One thing, that I, one thing that I really think pisses a lot of people off is that Putin seems to be very consistent. <laughs> as, and that's a very big problem. Because that, I mean, that creates a lot of reliability in having a leader like... At least he's consistent, like... 
what he says is what he does. <laughs> his word is his word and he doesn't break it for anything. He's like one of those, like, you know, that Scarface quote as well, where he says, the only thing I have in this world is my word and my balls and I don't break them for nothing. <laughs> that's kind of like, <laughs> that's kind of like what I feel uh, uh, Putin's uh, values and leadership style is. And, and that creates a lot of, um, a lot of base as well to be able to uh, uh, forge a war, so to say. That that's all fine, but still, I'm not sure if war would be the answer to this because I'm not sure. I'm sure he's not a fan of this because he's never done it. But he could give the West a taste of their own medicine. He could also impose sanctions, and also Russia has the hands on everybody's pockets by having uh, control of so much oil and, and natural gas that they could just say, "Okay, so no gas for you," instead of just bombing Ukraine. That yeah, but what I mean is, I don't mean I don't mean to talk about any of that. I'm just saying that. It is his style. I mean, I mean, he's, he grew up like this. I mean, nowadays it's very hard to find someone that's very consistent and um, able to keep up with his word. And I think that's exactly what what he does, and that's why he's also kind of appealing in some sort, um, which many of the other other world leaders aren't able to do. So it's uh, it's always a very double double again a double edged sword. Uh, as for him, it, it's pretty clear what, what he is and what he does and what he wants. That's fine, but I, that also, it's also interesting because this is a political study, and I think this is my my final remark. Uh, I would say this is my final remark. It's super interesting because, in in some way, it's good. In some way, it's good to have one person in power for an extended period of time because that person can be consistent with his views and build towards the future that this person envisions. But this person does not necessarily mean to need to be like like. Putin is like the, the, the problem that you most of most of the countries face is that uh, politicians are so busy uh, covering their own asses and covering their own re-election that they mostly do things that pump up their uh, approval rates and not necessarily what would be the best thing in the long run and this is known in many 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 societies and it's a problem of western politics Exactly. But I'm going to take the, yeah. the thematic of Western politics and what you had said about voting. And one of the things that happened uh, that I found weirdly amusing uh, in the in the four regions that Russia occupies currently is that Putin said, "Okay, so let's give democracy a try," and he took some people to these regions so that the locals could vote on whether or not they wanted to be a part of Russia. And this is essentially how it went. Russian soldiers are going door to door, forcing people to vote to join Russia. And so because of that, 97% of the vote has been pro-Putin. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, these, these voters have a choice in the same way we have a choice to not accept cookies on that website, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? So what, if I click no, can I not see how child stars have aged? What kind of a choice is that? <laughs> 97%. You no, know, my question is, who the hell is the 3%? <laughs> no, I'm really impressed by that. Who had the balls to still vote against Putin while his soldiers watched them mark their ballots? Who was there and just like, yes, I have voted for your mama. Oh, oh look at that. Oh, I voted twice. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love this. I love this clip. Wild. Just because, of course, that Trevor Noam does this in a very uh, comical manner because he wants to also portray it not in a, such a serious manner. But, but still, 97% of people saying we want to be Russia sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I know I've mentioned voting before, and when I mentioned voting, this is not how expected to go down, obviously. <laughs> I would expect the United Nations to have some kind of supervisions. How that would work, I am not an expert, so I can't dive into that, but I would, would expect them to get involved so just in a proper manner, because this is like vote or die is what I'm expecting this to, um, how this happens, but yeah. Diogo, do you have an opinion on this? I mean... Of course, I mean, this is something we were raised with these values since we were born. So it's like, it's that's no voting, that's no polling, that's nothing being forced to vote. That's not how it works. But I do agree with him. Who the fuck are those 3%? <laughs> those are the hardest motherfuckers I've met in my life. <laughs> no, they, they, they needed life. to say, like, not everybody agreed, okay? So we still have not 100%. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, there's some other person that we all know very well that attempted to solve this problem with a vote. And I'm not really sure if this was the right approach, but essentially Elon Musk posted a while ago a, vo- a poll on Twitter just asking um, or proposing the Ukraine-Russia peace. Redo elections of the next regions under UN supervision. Russia leaves it leaves if that is the will of the people. Crimea, formerly part of Russia. Um, yeah. As it has been since 1783. Uh, water supply to Crimea assured. Ukraine remains neutral. And then he just asks for yes or no. Of course, it, it would be ideal if you could solve it in such an easy manner. But how, how do you feel like... How do you feel about somebody trying to... <laughs> to just posting this on Twitter and, and, and seeing how it goes? I think it's nice just to see the gauge of what people are thinking. Obviously, it's not as simple as it is, but I think a lot of people are just overly critical against Elon as well, when actually he's been doing more than the people just putting a flag in the profile picture. Oh, for sure, for sure. He has a Starlink. Exactly. He threatened to remove Starlink. Yeah, but he did, yeah, but we just we just annoyed, I guess. But I just feel like people are so arrogant to just like, oh, you have no right to speak on this. And it's like, he's doing more than you sitting at home tweeting, so shut up. Um, so I've, I've, obviously I'm not going to say it's, it's as easy as this, but at least somebody with some kind of influence is trying to take us somewhere to peace if it's the right way, I can never answer, but um, I always think that open discord is, is a better way for us to understand each other and having open discussions will be, is better than being quiet and angry, so yeah. I agree with Indeed. you, but is Twitter the right place to do this? No, but I mean, where, where would you start at the end of the day? Should we call Putin? Then people get angry. They call Putin. So it's like you, it's uh, you do one thing, people get mad. You do another thing, people get mad. So it's like, what where would you start? When you're this big, any any anything you do is going to be uh, either marked as very good or very bad. Yeah, so it's like, it's like this. We, we can also put this in a more complex way. Of course, it's, I don't think Elon had any poor um, intentions here. He was just trying to put his opinion forth and create some discussion. That's fine. All positive. Uh, he does also do a lot for Ukraine by providing for Starlink, which is essential communication. Uh, even though they said, okay, this is costing too much, maybe the Pentagon or the US or anybody else should pay for the service because we kind of don't want to do it for free anymore. Uh, also fine, because he already had it in place and he was already providing it anyway. Um, but I, I don't know, so it's just a wild suggestion. Maybe it, it's not super not super uh, realistic, but this guy had already gone into contact with the Pentagon 
for the per for the payment of the service of Starlink. So if you do have contacts with the Pentagon for such a thing as please pay for the thing I'm providing, maybe you should just also put some political uh, motives behind it and say I only provide the service if you at least do this or that or agree with these conditions or you you do have some some leverage, right? By providing such a uh, crucial service, you have leverage. But do you want to give that away? I think you know, if like if the say that we will come to the conclusion now, the Pentagon decides to supply and pay them to do that, then he has to do it, and he's it's not of his free will anymore. The U.S. is trying to fuel this war. Elon wants this to become peace. So now you have two different opinions, but he's forced to take one position. So I can also imagine that he doesn't even want their money anymore because it doesn't give him to given any kind of free will in that sense. Just how I'm thinking when you're at that stage and money doesn't matter anymore. Why would the US want to fuel this war? Is it just monetary interest for uh, arms companies? No, right? The American... No, for companies you mean. No, I mean, some of the profit, but it's not because of that. I mean, at the end of the day, they will want to get more control over Russia. That's clear with the NATO expansion. Um, we've seen the arrogance already. Also, the dollar, the dollar is basically backed by war at this stage. But if I go on the rant there, I'm going to talk for 10 minutes. Um, but for the US to maintain their position as a superpower, war is good for them um, in that sense. So this is why they're so happy to consistently send billions of dollars to Ukraine um, while their infrastructure in their country is shit and you have some Michigan people that don't even have water but they can send 5 billion to Ukraine. That's kind of weird, but to me it actually makes sense. But yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. Well, should we tread towards an end to this episode? We, guess we, so. could, mm -hmm. we could keep speaking about this, talking about this in for, for I guess, a couple more hours. <laughs> Because there's really a lot of content that's been out now and I, I request a personal request to anybody that's hearing and watching us is just even if, if you're interested by the topic just search for information on your own try to do it from multiple sources don't just stick to Fox or whatever news network you you watch and and consume it from one single source but inform yourself because I think it's good if we try actively to avoid our own asses getting shipped to a conflict region. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, you can you can smile at this. I think you are. I guess you're too far away. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> I'm in Mexico to buy tacos, but you guys. <laughs> <laughs> The one, no, but jokes aside, son of a bitch. That's horrible. No, but jokes aside, I think you make a great takeaway. And at, at the end of the day, what we should advocate is peace, and we don't want World War Three and us being on a battlefield and potentially dying. So it's not that easy as this, but I think peace is the resolution we should be seeking more than trying to have one party defeated or feeling defeated, or just avoiding a nuclear war and people getting evaporated as well. So yeah, that would be chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's. Exactly. That's why we as Manix, we advocate for consistency and very good values. I think I, when we speak, for, I think I'm right when I speak for the three of us. And um, that's probably also one of the reasons why we live in such a hectic world and why it's causing a lot of um, depolarity, so to say, between uh, very different countries and the very different operating ways of doing things. Kind of envy you, Eti. The only war you'll be waging is against a toilet after eating a too a spicy tackle. Tackle. 
<laughs> Bit a couple of us already. <laughs> Let's not go into details. Ah, uh, man. Well, I, I do hope that things get solved r- sooner rather than later, but it doesn't seem to be coming to an end. And I know we're speaking about this maybe eight months too too late, but it's our reality. So, yeah, let's face it as such. And with yeah. this, I think we'll sign off. Don't yeah. forget Indeed. to go to manix.com and do read our articles. Leave us some reactions in the video if you did like this and some comments, some subscriptions. And if you're listening to us in any other platform, do the same. Whatever the button looks like, do the same. Press it. Good. Then see you next time. See you guys. Have a good one.